when 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 I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. Okay, what you're actually going to see here, yeah. Special episode alerts. Special episode midweek Wednesday edition of the Master Keys podcast. We went crazy with some stuff about open bidding coming to the platform through Korea on Realtor.ca. And sure enough, Open reached out with Eric Bryant and they met with us. So today we're going to be going over all yeah. the stuff that we had for questions you guys sent in and a big list of questions that Chandler and I came up with as well. That's right. So check it out. This is Eric Bryant with Open two ends. They're going to be the platform rolling this out for Korea. We'll find out exactly what this transparent bidding is going to mean in our marketplace. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining us here. I'm Chandler Halliburton. Neil Andrino. And today we have Eric Bryant joining us from Open. Yeah, so Open is... What's that? Open with two ends. That's right. Good, good, good point. Um, so... Open was recently awarded a contract to launch a pilot program for um, open bidding, transparent bidding, whatever we want to call it. Uh, we've been covering this a lot on recent episodes. Listeners, viewers out there, they've been really interested in it. So today we're going to talk to Eric and fill in a lot of the gaps because a lot of, you know, we don't really know how this is going to look. And so you guys reached out to us, which is awesome. Um, can you introduce yourself and the company um, what exactly Open does and how you've grown um, and, and what this started from and, and where it's going. Absolutely. I'd love to be able to have that conversation. Uh, first off, my name is Eric Bryant, and I'm the Director of Operations for North America for Open, to end. Um, <laughs> it is a six-year-old Australian-based company that uh, went public on the ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, in the summer of 2021. And they use that money from the IPO to uh, fund a North American expansion. Uh, they reached out to me uh, to um, be the leader of that expansion. And they, at the time I was working for First American Data and Analytics, they were a data customer of ours. Um, and I, I knew kind of from the inside what they were doing and what the product was. And I had been in this business for 25 years and I saw clear evidence that we were going to be able to um, uh, do something special with this uh, particular product at this particular time. So uh, I made the move over and accepted that opportunity. And uh, so we're bringing it to the North American shores, meaning uh, north of the border there in Canada, as well as south of the border in the United States where I'm based. So um, beginning with Australian background and moving into North America uh, is the way the uh, company grew. So there's there's a lot of people when we talk about the company here in Canada, obviously, we feel like a startup yeah. um, because we're brand new and, and and people don't know who we are, or what we do. But, you know, we, we are far from it. We've got six years of history and uh, proof of concept, building the building the product, engineering the the, uh, the software. So it's quite uh, mature and it is uh, ready to rock and roll with a few exceptions. Um, for example, in the United States, you know, uh, over in Australia, they use that crazy metric system thing. And so in the United States, we have to make a couple of adjustments and there's some wording uh, that uh, has to be adjusted from Australia to North America. For example, the word vendor here means uh, completely different over there. It's the seller. So we have to right. change all yep. the wording and stuff of that nature. And I think the biggest change uh, in Australia, there are two distinct ways to sell property. One is uh, straight auction. Right. So it's, you know, hey, I'll bid, I'll bid 210, I'll bid 220, blah, 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 kind of stuff. It's just like it's on the steps of the courthouse yeah. uh, here in North America. The other is called private treaty. It's about a 50 50 split over there. Private treaty is pretty damn close to offer and acceptance, which is what we use in North America, both in Canada and in the US. Yeah. We brought that product, open offers, to the North American shores. Open negotiation, which is the auction product, stayed uh, in Australia. So what we've done, and the reason I say this is because a lot of people are using the word bid, and it's just not applicable to what we're doing. I know it. I, I totally understand why people are using it because I can see the the um, uh, the the feel of that. But we've basically automated offer and acceptance, so we haven't changed the process from what's going on currently. We've just automated it, so we've taken it out of that manual mode of you know, uh, PDFs and, and uh, dropping off FedEx packages and handing off big, you know, files of, of paper to people. And we put it into software and you gain a lot of uh, advantages by putting it into software. I mean, we, we go to market on three very specific words and that's transparency, equality, efficiency. 
the transparency and inequality are for the benefit of the consumer on behalf of the agent and the efficiency is for the benefit of the agent to help the consumer. So transparent. Go ahead. Sorry. So you're effectively saying the offer process sort of starts the same, but there's just more tracking and it's a better workflow. Oh, exactly. And the tracking is really important. I think that that's, uh, it hasn't really been mentioned a lot in the, the press releases or the blogs or even, you know, on your pr- previous podcast is the tracking is really important because it gives us data that we've never had before um, that for whatever reason. And you, we can all argue or debate the reasoning behind the why, but this particular piece, what we call offer management, this particular piece wasn't automated until quite recently. No. And that's be- it could be because of a lot of things, but what it's done now is give us that data. So now we can really give an, uh, a depth of market data in real time that we used to, for example, valuations. That always came from past historic data. Mm-hmm. You would uh, An appraiser would value the property based on what it sold for 10 years ago and what the neighbor's house sold for recently and that kind of stuff. Now we can literally change the face of appraisal because we can give them up-to-date, date, right, uh, real-time data that indicates in. 20 individuals who are highly qualified to purchase this home place the value on this home at right. X amount of dollars. Yeah. And that, that data can help really uh, in situations where you, there was a there was a valuation that wasn't correct, whether that was too high or too low. We can help balance that now. Right. I've always said that'd be great if we could throw out the high and the low and get an average of all the other bids, because that would actually produce better data across the marketplace. Um, but just to kind of clarify here a little bit, the actual the actual product, I guess that that your company is selling and, and that's being adopted as part of the MLS. What exactly? You're not changing the whole system. Like you just said, you're not changing the entire system. So you're going to basically make it better. Like you said, make it more efficient and transparent. You're not turning it into like an open auction on like a realtor.ca or on a website. Or is there an element to that? No, we've simply automated it and made it more efficient and simple. So uh, it can fit. Number one, it can fit into the digital transaction, which is really important. The digital agent, uh, the agent of today needs to be a digital agent. And they really couldn't do that without this being digitized. So being able to pull data from a showing service, for example, where people went and saw the house and they decided they wanted to make an offer right then, we can pull that data from the showing service, create the create the open uh, platform, and then when it's complete, when an offer is accepted, we can push it off into transaction management and so the data just flows. So there's a real efficiency play in this. And to Neil's point, all we've really done is taken that handoff of paper and put it into a digital form and given everybody a dashboard, a simple dashboard where they can see everything and it's clear to them. And that's the real important part, right? That transparency. Cause in the past buyers would be like totally in the dark. Yeah. What, you know, what do I They'd look to their professional and they go, what do we offer on this property? And the professional would say, well, I think two fifty is going to get this house. And so they'd offer two fifty. You know, a day later, oh, I'm sorry, they accepted another offer and it was 265. And you're like, you know, if I'd have known it was 265, I'd have, I'd have given them 265. It's why. And then they look yeah. at their professional, which is the hard part, and they go, you're dumb. Why didn't you know that? And the professional's like, it's just the way it is. I, I can't know it. They're not telling me. Right. So the idea then is the, the realtors are still going to utilize basically your service to manage creating the offer and then submitting it through the platform. Yep, they'll do it the same way they always did. They'll they'll, okay. they'll upload a form that they've always used with all the information about the offer on it and signed by the uh, signed by the buyer. Yeah, and they'll upload it in the system. The system will grab the data points and put them into the dashboard. The sell the agent representing the seller will be able to review the terms and conditions, which is really a big piece of this. The terms and conditions still have a place; they have value in the system, whereas in auctions. Terms and conditions don't matter. Do you have the money? And are you the highest bidder at the end? The hammer falls, boom, pay me. Yeah. So there's a big difference between that and a seller being able to go through the process, look at all the terms and conditions, ask for additional information, get that information, allow the process to complete. And then, you know, they can award, they can award a, a winner to the offers 
at any point in time, which is another thing. Auction would be at five o'clock on Sunday, the highest bid gets the product. Where in this case, it's, hey, if, if on Friday, I've got the right offer in front of me as a seller and an agent, they we'll just grab that. We'll take it. Right. So there'll yeah. be none of this waiting until five o'clock on Friday night and people firing offers in at 452 and stuff like that. Uh, it, it, the implication is that as a buyer and a buyer's agent, you'll be wanting to submit your offers in earlier. Would would a yeah. seller have the opportunity to make the decision, say, I want to wait? Uh, yes. Like, okay. So they could say, I do want to wait simply like they could put a time on there or they just make the choice of like, we're going to wait a little longer until more offers show up. Either the, the agent representing the seller and the seller themselves can they can put a date on it. They can say Sunday at five o'clock. We're, we're that's when we stop accepting offers. It might not be when they award uh, the winner or the uh, accept an offer, but they'll say five o'clock Sunday, and then they can change that. It's up to them. They could change the clock to five o'clock Monday, or just oh, say, "Look, this is the beautiful. This is a beautiful offer. Great." Great terms and conditions, no contingencies, all cash, whatever they want. But likewise, so, a buyer could put a, a expiry date on their offer. Still, I say that, yeah, yes, absolutely, okay. they could they could put that up. What? Um, so, okay, so the, the offer gets submitted. Like you said, your your system will pull all the information it needs. What part of that is made public, or is it decided by the seller, or is it decided by the local district's real estate board? Who decides what from that offer gets publicly listed on the site? Is it just going to say five offers? Five offers top bid 500k. Five offers top bid 500k, and it has financing inspection. Like what all goes, or is it just the same thing? It's kind of fluid in what it would be based on district or the decision of Korea. Nailed it, Neil. It's very fluid. Meaning, it's first of all, it's up to the seller. Everything is always up to the seller, and I don't mean the agent. I mean the seller themselves, the, right. the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, they instruct the agent what features they want to use. They could use uh, all or none. But then it goes to the province. So the, so there are provincial regulators that have different rules, that, what you can and cannot do. So we That's have toggle switches. Y'all, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> um, this, is, this is where we're going to have to really be um, uh, judicious and, and have a real forward-thinking um, attitude to – to the software, but that's, that's okay because we just dealt with in Australia with six years of, we're going to do it. This we're going to do an auction way. We're going to do a private treaty way. What are all the things that we have to look for? So it's interesting. Yes. But you know, we are so ready to do it. It's crazy. It's not just province by province too, because within a province, you could have multiple boards. So we have two boards (laughs) here within our province in Ontario. They have even even more boards. So you've got to convince each individual board. And um, I know, we here, uh, I'm not sure how we compare to the country, but we're a little set in our ways and sometimes a bit stubborn when it comes to adopting new technology. But just so I can clarify, sorry, sorry, Neil. Just no, no, go ahead. So right now we've got Transaction Desk, which I assume is kind of a colleague uh, opponent to some degree to, to your company. And so a lot of our workflow now uh, here in, in Nova Scotia and with our brokerage, I guess, operates through Transaction Desk, which kind of links up with our admin back end. It also links to... Um, Web Forms, which is a realtor-based product, and Authentisign, which is a third-party service for signing. What you're saying is that your platform is is at least, and, and maybe this isn't the best description, but an extension of that, which then takes that package um, and then puts it on a platform that kind of directly links with the seller and is presumably almost like a, a communal portal where at the seller's discretion, they can share whatever information about that offer they want. To other prospective yeah, buyers. Do you want to come to work for us? Because that was a really good <laughs> process. There you go. What the I am interested does. in retiring yeah. from my current job. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we talk off, we'll talk off, off, off air. Okay. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah. You, you all right. got it. Okay. Yeah. This is a question. And again, I don't know if you, you don't actually have to answer this, but where is open making money? Are they taking a percentage cut? Are they charging a flat fee per transaction or is it simply that like our fees that go to Korea and so on are going to pay you guys to be a part of this process? Um, currently in the Australian model, there's a transactional fee. So each time the, the, age, the, the agent representing the seller chooses to use the product, they pay a transaction fee. But the model going into North America based on um, uh, a lot of due diligence and, and, and working with some uh, industry veterans it's more of a uh, combination. It's what they call a SaaS model pricing. So there'll be a licensing fee at the board slash MLS level. Okay. 
Um, it'll be a small fee to uh, to house the software, and then it'll be an agent monthly subscription and broker enterprise packages. So the agent will pay a, a small monthly fee, and they can, you know, as many transactions as they want, they can run through it. So obviously, um, you know, the more successful brokers uh, or agents who are doing dozens of or hundreds of transactions a year will benefit more from uh, from a flat fee than those who are doing one or two. But um, and then there'll be broker enterprise packages. So the broker themselves can set it up for all their agents and take that uh, monthly fee and get it uh, significantly reduced. reduced based on that. Yeah. So it's all really right. SaaS model pricing is, is yeah. what's most prevalent in Canada and the U.S. Yeah. And so for listeners, SaaS is software as a service. And that's basically similar to what we have now with our other electronic packages and technology packages we use. So, okay. But so it's universal like, adoption pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. With, with universal adoption. Can I just uh, ask a question to, to backtrack a little bit? And I've got mm-hmm. my theories and we have our theories. <laughs> why, why now? Why has this emerged now? You mentioned, um, you know, you're six years old and, and, and this yep. idea of transparency in, in bidding, whatever that means, um, has has been bubbling out of the surface and consumers have been asking for this for a while. Yeah. Why in the last two years um, has it really launched and, and uh, why is the market ready for this now? I think it's twofold. Number one, actually it's, it's threefold because I'll give a little of the, of the uh, reasoning to the COVID, uh, the, the pandemic. I think we really moved quickly towards an electronic transaction um, because of COVID. We were forced mm-hmm. to on the notarization and sign, e-signing, things of that nature. So uh, the electronic transaction took a much higher priority than it had in the past. So I'll give that some credit, but really it's two um, exogenous pressures. And that's the, the consumer of today is basically the millennial, right? Uh, it's, it's the younger folks like yourself, you guys really represent the, the buying power of today. <laughs> More so, Neil. Oh, I'm older. Neil does? And you don't? Okay. <laughs> All right. Neil, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the buying I still, power, have, a, I still have a BlackBerry here. So, yeah. <laughs> you do not have a BlackBerry. I'm, I'm, I am, he has a coal generator next Like I said, well. typical Nova Scotian late adopter. But anyway. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I'm not talking to you anymore. Neil, <laughs> <laughs> you, your generation wanted two things. Number one, you wanted the transparency because you thought yeah. it was BS that you, you you'd go in there and try to buy a house. The most important thing you could buy and, and very, you know, uh, the, the largest uh, price that you, you're probably going to spend on something. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to have as much information as possible because yep. you have to make a good decision when you're spending 200, 300, $400,000. Mm-hmm. So you needed it. And again, and the other part is you want to do this on your phone. You don't want to negotiate by dropping off a FedEx package. That's not your generation. You want to look at your phone or your tablet if you need a little bigger screen like myself <laughs> and you know, you want to be able to push buttons and say, yeah. this is the way I want to do this. And so that was really driving as, as your generation became a, the largest generation of home purchasers, it drove the narrative of why can't I do this on my phone? Why can't I do it 24 seven? And why can't I do it 365 days a year? Why does why is it Monday through Friday with a FedEx package? This is stupid. I feel like even like to go further, I feel like we don't even want to pick up the phone because I feel like some of the details that you guys are going to be able to advertise and kind of put on your platform would be things that you would get through a phone call with your agent. And I feel like our gen is just so used to, like you're saying, everything just reading it purely off of the phone that this makes it even easier to do that. And like we're so comfortable, like as long as it's there to read, don't need a phone call, don't need a chat, don't need to meet in person. Like I'm happy I read it. I'm good. There's also an element of just tell me what the cost is and I'll just buy it. And that's totally the opposite of how real estate sales have worked, right? And, you know, the world of immediacy of like, no, no, I want it. I'm going to pay for it. How much do I have to pay you for it? It's like, you got to guess. It's like, what do you mean I have to guess? Like, just tell me the damn price and I'll either pay it or I won't. It's like, no, no, you got to guess. I feel like, well, you'll give me feedback, right? And tell me if I need to go higher. Like, nope. (laughs) Right? So it was kind of... uh, Our generation's been tuned for that, though. Everything we've always wanted and owned has always been in shortage. Like, I remember even growing up, the games are in shortage. And so you just pay the price. There's no such thing as, like, negotiating. You never learned to do that. And so we've just gotten used to it now. It's binary, like, buy or not buy. There's there's less nuance to it. Um, So you said COVID had an impact because things just became a bit more technological. Mm -hmm. You think generationally and, and how people are kind of... Um, you know, interacting has, has, has played part. I think you mentioned there's a, a third fold to that. A much larger one. And that's um, the pressure from above. So both here in the United States and in Canada, the government has decided that they're going to get involved uh, for the benefit of the consumer, right? Oh, Which is no. always a scary <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That always works out <laughs> so, so good. 
because yeah. it could go either way, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it was um, uh, the province of BC that had to deal with uh, a seven-day cooling-off period decision by the government, which really just messed everything up. It was, it was all. See, we always look at government intervention. They're thinking the right things. I want to help the consumer. I want to help the the individual, the person that's most affected by this. And then they make a decision, and, and many times it, it's it's not really what the industry can can handle. Right. You're saying they're well-intentioned, but sometimes don't have the best tools. Yeah, exactly. So you're mentioning the government now. I'm going to ask this question, but is there going to be an aspect of the data that you guys are receiving being shared with a government agency in some format to view the offers and kind of have a gauge of what's going on? Um, because I feel like there's a lot of offers, not necessarily here, but in other provinces where there's some concern about kind of who's making the offers, where the money's coming from, on and on. And they have a FinTrack form that we fill out, but it's kind of user discretion a lot of the time and it doesn't get filled out properly. So now they're going to want to have a little more detail on what's going on. Is there like an idea with that? Do you know what's intending with that? Like is when you say the government wants to bring it in, is there some sort of partnership or expectation from them for you guys to provide them information? No, there's no real partnership with the government except that the you know they're kind of driving a narrative, not necessarily specific to us. And mm-hmm. and Korea decided that they looked at a number of offer management products and decided ours was the one that they wanted to go with. It's you know it's it's more robust than many of our competitors, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that we're agnostic when it comes to working with the uh, showing services and the transaction management services. You don't have to change it as a broker changing your transaction management system would just be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's definitely important to them to be able to do that, but we don't have specific agreements with the government. However, if they asked for data, um, mm-hmm. we would share it in the, in, in a form in which it was appropriate. We're not going to sh- obviously share anything that's personal in nature. Um, but if they wanted to know how many offers, our average, you know, on the are on the average house in Nova Scotia, we could we could certainly give them that kind of a data. Uh, and re- so, realistically, that would flow through CREA. That that wouldn't go probably from right. you to them. They would probably yeah. mandate that CREA has to has to share that with them. And that's a really good, that's a really important data for them to have because they can see when they're tuning the dials of some of these rates with the with the hope of slowing down the real estate market, they can actually see immediate results or more immediate data on that because they'll see the offer counts. And and sometimes the offer counts don't immediately reflect or, or the sale price doesn't immediately reflect what's going on in the market. But if there's a drop from 15 offers down to three offers, the price may stay the same because those three mm-hmm. people may still be trained to pay the same price. But the, le- the fewer offers people. is an important data point that right now we don't have. Um, so I can see them kind of compelling Korea to, to publish that because then they'll really be able to see if these fine-tuning that they're doing with the rate right now, for example, is actually having the I- impact. That's... That is really um, uh, that's good stuff. The fact that you recognize <laughs> yeah. that because it's absolutely you know I don't care what they say about you guys. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know yeah, yeah. Stuff. I don't read all the comments yeah. online. <laughs> oh well, there's only like fifteen hundred comments on that uh, <laughs> on that last one, so I'm not going to read those all. But hey, no, you nailed it. You did a great job of of understanding what the data can do um, to assist in a lot of different ways. And here's another thing. I see a lot of comments about uh, this uh, using a, an electronic format like this is going to skyrocket prices because bidding is a you know is is, mm. is something that makes people spend more money and that's not that's not the case. Um, what we've seen over six years in Australia is really a a leveling. So sometimes it does go for more than you expected, but other times it goes for less, and it really is using the data and using social pressure and using the transparency to get to the real price of the product. Mm-hmm. We actually get to an organic price. We we have social proof, 20 individuals who highly qualified to purchase a property landed on a price of 250,000. So if that's, if the appraisal on that was 200,000, then yeah, it went for more. But if the appraisal was 300,000, which we see in some cases, then the um, then the data was incorrect in that in that fashion. So it really kind of balances, and we reach organic pricing no matter what. Just just to kind of recap one little thing here. So uh, a seller has decided that they're going to 
um, you know, be open to entertaining offers and the offers start coming in and say in this particular case, the seller is willing to disclose the pricing. All the pricing mm-hmm. is is there. And maybe they've put out there that they, they plan to review all these things over the course of 72 hours. There's an opportunity, obviously, within there uh, for a buyer who looks at the list and says, all right, I'm number four right now. I'm going to raise my offer. And they can kind of go through that. And that's what people are saying is the, the bidding process. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. but it's okay. no different than, you you know, you going into a real estate office and saying, hey, um, you know, uh, are we the are we in a position to get this house? No, we really need to make a counter offer now, right? Yeah, so yeah. sort of like oh, there's the more offers. Has, in, yeah. Right, yeah. the seller has said, you know, come back with two fifty, and we'll talk. And so we have to make a counter offer. That's what that is. It's a counter offer. So what you described yeah. is in the dashboard. I can see either, you know, I'm in third position currently, and I'm ten thousand dollars away. Or I can just see I'm in third position again, kind of regional to the, you know, uh, to, to that particular area. So I can then have a dis- have a discussion with my agent about where I need to be and what makes sense, what I'm qualified for, where mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. So all of that information just gives me the ability to make an educated choice, and that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about anything else except an educated choice on the part of the consumer, which you you've already stated and many people state in the comments it's about effing time right we we really should have been here years ago yeah i I tend to agree like i'm obviously i think our generation general really wants tech everything and i think the whole process could easily be seamlessly done and it's gotten way better from what i've gathered since i've been in it's always been techie heavy tech heavy but like it makes sense that the whole thing goes that way is the idea that going back to that is the idea that all the offers are gonna be visible then like you'd be able to see like, okay, top bids, 250 financing, second one's 230 financing clause, last one's 180 inspection. We would love for that to be the case. Um, you know, obviously we, as I said earlier, we live on that transparency, equality, efficiency motto. We want as much transparency for the consumer as possible, the, the most information possible so they can make this decision. However, provincially, maybe we can't show the dollar amount. So we have to adjust and pull the dollar amount off, but leave you with the positioning uh, information. So it's going to be province by province until, and there is, I mean, there's people talking about the fact that they can change a few of these regulations to, to, to uh, lend more transparency to the, to the, to the product. So we, we, my hope is that we get to open up all the valves and everybody gets to see as much as possible or that's right to see. Obviously, there's personal information they can't see. For example, the selling agent can see who the buyers are um, because they need to, but the other buyer's agents cannot see who the buyers course, are. Yeah. They see a, an ID number, one, two, three, four, four, five, six, seven, that kind of a thing. So we're not going to uh, give information that's inappropriate to give, but we want to give as much as possible. And Neil, you said something about a, a in, you know, some information about the financing. Yeah. Obviously, we don't want to tell people what other people's financing is, but we do give them a small indication if it's conditional or unconditional. If it's a conditional clause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. There's a little. There's an icon that's a star, and we're looking at putting on a, do- a green dollar icon to indicate cash, all cash, that kind of thing. But so okay. we want to give transparency. Meaning, if they took the third highest offer, why didn't they take mine, which was above it? Oh, look, right. unconditional. Right. They're unconditional. I get it. So you can, you can really give people information, which is a small little thing, you know, make it easy on people. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I'll give you one little example, um, of some of the obstacles region by region. So you mentioned how, oh, you know, you can just call the agent and they say, well, you're not the highest yet. You've got to come up in order to get that here. We can't do that. Like we cannot tell one buying party, anything that could disadvantage another buying party. So we can't, you know, if there's five offers and one of them is saying adamantly, like, we'll come up, just tell us where we need to be. Yeah. We can't do that currently with, with the way our, our legislation is. Um, but there's a perception in the public that there might be some wink, wink, nudge, nudge going on. And, and there are t- instances where it's like, well, you know, the listing agent should know that I've got a good buyer. So maybe the listing agent will counter us before, e- even if we're number three. But this lack of clarity uh, of how it should be done and what can be done is a problem, but this is going to be the big switch here 
I can say in our market is sellers feeling very private about these offers. And for years, we've been telling sellers, you know, we do not disclose the details of the offers because those are your private business. And this is going to be the switch here in our market is this idea that now we can inform buyers of, of uh, everything uh, and sellers, you are going to lose the privacy as to whether you have offers on your property and what those offers may be. Um, that's going to be one thing that, you know, region to region will have to be navigated. The other thing I want to touch on is there's two schools of reaction to this from other realtors. And there's the one school, which is concerned that um, this is going to be the death of negotiation. It's going to be the death of the buyer's agent. And then there's the other school of thought that has some relief because we're constantly scapegoated for running the market up and inflating prices, even though in a lot of cases, we don't have much influence over it. A buyer is willing to pay what a buyer is willing to pay and you, you guide them, but ultimately that's their decision. So there's some relief that if we have this and there's full transparency, maybe there'll be more trust of agents because we've all been in a situation where our offer is the highest offer and you, you touch on this and it doesn't get accepted. And now we have to go to back to a buyer and say, you know, sorry, we bid more, uh, but it wasn't accepted. And buyer's like, what are you talking about? Right. Or sometimes we don't even know until it gets published. I'm like, wait a second. Why did it sell for 10 grand less than we bid? And then you call the listing agent and all the listing agent says, well, you know, there's a lot that goes into an offer other than just price. And we're all there feeling like we've been done wrong by. So yeah. there's a lot of relief with this coming to the market, but there's also concern about uh, loss of negotiation, loss of buyer agency. What are your thoughts on that? Um, first of all, the frustration that you um, uh, just iterated is real everywhere. It's it's not just, you know, where you are. It's every, It's all across North America. And it's part of the reason that the product is having so much success. Um, we, we don't want that frustration. We don't want that anger. And that mistrust is leading to a lot of comments about the inability of an agent to do their job properly or that an agent is, might, might not be um, uh, needed in the process, right? I can, I can, I can get hosed without you. I, I can walk in and get hosed by somebody that by myself. I don't need, I don't need you to do that. What we've seen in Australia, and that's really what we're able to talk about currently, is two things. First of all, there, it's, it's interesting to note there aren't buyers agents in Australia. Mm-hmm. So when you do a private treaty, you are essentially on your own against a, a listing agent. So um, what we've, what our product has done is uh, started to change that where people want to be represented by open certified agents on the buy side. So we've, we've increased the uh, level of um, agent participation on the buy side in Australia. So it's not something that eliminates agents. It actually does the opposite and brings agents into the transaction. Now here, different, right? North America, there are buyers agents. So what we've done, uh, what we've been able to see in Australia is more of an acceptance of the role that a professional plays in the process, the relationships between buyers as sellers and their real estate agent have changed fundamentally in Australia because they're, the buyer is more comfortable with the process. There's not that, you know, that behind the curtain, you know, don't don't look behind the curtain at the wizard kind of thing. So it's doing the opposite. And data wise, it's not it's it's reaching organic pricing the way it's supposed to be. So the market itself is is telling us what the what the pricing is, not somebody who comes in and, and, and makes a guess at what the pricing is. So it's always the data shows it's opposite of what we're frightened of in North America. Did you say that a buyer can submit an offer through the platform without the use of an agent? No, in, in Australia they can. Okay, but that's an Australian-based thing. Here you wouldn't be able to do yeah. so because you need someone uh, represent. Okay, and then what's right, this right. open certification that you're talking about? So that's something that an agent, like a course that they complete or something that they do with you guys to gain that qualification? And what does it really mean exactly. for a buyer? Yeah, basically we train them how to use the system so that they, com- they can come into the system and understand what, what do the buttons mean, what do the icons mean, um, you know, where, where's the management piece? How do I, how do I do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So we certify them in understanding what the process is, which is, which to your point, um, our system asks for the, um, agent connection. 
So when you come into the system originally, so there's two ways. I think this is one thing we haven't talked about. There's two ways to get into the open system. Number one, the agent representing the seller has um, a QR code or a URL that they share with the buyer's agent and they say, click this or go to this and you'll be taken directly into the system. The other one is the make an offer button, which would be placed on realtor.ca where you can just go, go to the listing on Realtor CA. There's a make an offer button, click on that button. You'll be taken into the process. So if by chance a buyer found their way in with the make an offer button, the first thing they would be asked is who's your agent. Here's a drop down menu from your local board. And they would say, uh, you know, Neil's my agent. Okay, great. Now the connection's made in the system. So Neil is connected with that consumer. uh, And throughout the process, they're together. They get information together. Mm -hmm. So hold it. Does this mean that if you're not involved in the bidding process or not interested in this house, you're not seeing these numbers or getting involved in this? Like it's only if you're submitting an offer or you've given that QR code or if you've clicked make an offer and now been linked to an agent are now being involved in the process. It's not just like anybody's just watching and says like a, like just sitting at work, just watching yeah, bids go by. Voyeuristic. <laughs> the, there is going to be some information on the listing itself on realtor.ca. So they're going to pull some of the information from us. It's a two-way data exchange. And right. so you'll see things um, uh, on that listing as a consumer, just by uh, going to realtor.ca. Uh, the other thing is that we have an observer function in the process. So a listing agent can send out the QR code to observers who get a limited view Mm. of the process to get maybe an understanding, right? Right. And and it actually indicates to the listing agent who may be the next buyers and sellers in a marketplace. Because typically interested parties are interested for a reason. They're going to be selling soon and they want to know what this house is going to go for, or they're trying to buy in that marketplace and they want to see what's going on. So We've got a platform here where you can see how many people are like watching or following mm-hmm. a listing, whether or not they end up being bidders or not. But in theory, they, they could be a future buyer. Yeah. Right. Similar similar functionality there. Very cool. So I guess, I mean, we have a, we're getting a pretty good grasp on things. When is kind of the, the timeline? When do you guys expect to actually see this on the Realtor.ca website and taking place in Canada? Man, I'd like it tomorrow, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a process as you say, mm-hmm. or a process down here. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll take us a a few months to get all of this uh, shaken out. We're hopeful it's summer of 2022 that we start seeing uh, making offer buttons on realtor.ca. It may go into Q3. It all depends on, you know, it's it's engineering. And and that always, that's always a a question as to when you can do it. But we've put um, an enormous amount of resources into this. It really, this agreement with CREA and realtor.ca is the is the uh, number one reason this product was developed, and it was developed by two brokers and a venture capitalist, and it was you know so basically by brokers and realtors for brokers and realtors, and it was with a dream, you know the dream was that this would be the way people did business in the future because we were tired of hearing buyers say if I'd only known, and we were tired of hearing sellers say did was that really the correct price for my house? Um, you know, cause I don't have any social proof. I just have some guy that handed me a piece of paper based on what happened in the past. And mm-hmm. I, I still question that. So they wanted to solve problems and really fundamentally we are solving those problems with this agreement with Crea uh, and realtor.ca. So everybody uh, from open Australia to, to the North American team is really excited about the fact that this is what it was designed for. This is the dream, and now we get to uh, we get to show the world that you know it, it was a, it was the right dream. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first read this announcement, which I guess was a week and a half ago. I was like eighteen months. It'll be eighteen months, and this will be on every listing in Canada. I think. Uh, so I don't know if that's slower than than you're expecting. I mean, you said summer, fall, twenty twenty two. So um, we'll start. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I just if it's on every listing and it's used by every buyer and seller in eighteen months. I'll retire. <laughs> I, I will have, I will have hit the pinnacle of my career and, and be able to sit back on a beach. Well, it's just like the way technology moves, right? Like this has gone. Uh, once people start adopting these things, I mean, look how we're They're having so even this this fast. interaction here on on Zoom, right? Like that didn't take 
what, three weeks for adoption, like in COVID early on. Mm. So people are going to adopt this pretty quickly. And it's so much in line with how they're already purchasing things and uh, consuming information and, and sharing information. Like, uh, I just think it's going to be a, a really, really quick uh, adoption. Um, is he, I'm gonna, is yeah, he intent ahead. here in North America to take it public? Um, not necessarily, no. Uh, we are already public in Australia, so we're in, we're in a very strong position. We're, we're very fortunate because, we, first of all, we have limited competition. It's, it's a brand new you know, area. It's a brand new silo. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, we're well-funded. We're well-backed. Um, we're in a great position to be able to um, make these pivots mm-hmm. and do the kinds of things that we're talking about with Korea and Realtor.ca as far as engineering is concerned. So we're really, we're very fortunate, knock on wood, that uh, we're in this position at this moment in time and, and able to use the, the the cash that was raised in that IPO. So, nice. I mean, I wouldn't say no to anything, but it doesn't look like a public company in another country becomes a public company uh, in Canada or in U.S. It's it's that's just kind of a it's a strange way to go about business. Yeah, I guess it'd just be a division of of the actual company. But I um I think that what's going to be interesting too is as a seller, if you want to be really proactive and create a smooth transaction for yourself, you could presumably also load things like put all of my supporting documents right on the platform. Mm-hmm. This is my yep. property tax bill. This is my um, you know utility costs. Here's a pre inspection of the home. Um, and then you're effectively um, enticing or if not almost pressuring buyers to say, okay, well, I'm good with that inspection report. I have seen all these documents in advance. So my due diligence is effectively limited to a basic title search and my financing, right? So you can actually, as a seller, um, if you create the or right package and presentation, too. yeah, yeah, um, you can even, yeah, I suppose you could get a, a letter from a lawyer saying that there's good, clean title and really have a quick, quick transaction from a due diligence standpoint. Yeah, that's it's, it's, it's actually a feature that's in the product now. It's a document upload feature, and the listing agent has the ability to load whatever documents uh, they feel is, are appropriate to the transaction. But as you indicated, the more information that's a, that's available to the buy side, you know, the faster the transaction can be completed. So you're you're correct in that at some point in time when it's legal to do so. Um, you know, all that information can be placed up on the system and, and the buyers can make the decision right there, right then. Is the idea to implement like a full suite or f- full service system where everything kind of goes through it, even like signing and stuff can be done through the platform or eventually open deals directly with a client? No, um, we're, we're trying to stay away from the forms and the signing kind of stuff. Uh, okay. it, it tends to cloud your progression. It's, yeah. It makes it very difficult and you have to jump through more hoops. We like the agnostic approach, the Switzerland approach, meaning, for example, up there, Transaction Desk has a as, as a majority of the marketplace. We just want to work nice with them. Uh, the, the agent goes into Transaction Desk the same way they have, you know, throughout the years, gets the information and then hits a simple upload button into our system. We parse it off of that um, PDF and the, and the process begins. When it's completed, we... Uh, uh, create uh, more data in the process on our side and we push it back. Mm-hmm. So we send that same PDF and the data that came with it back to transaction management with some information and data from our system that's taken place and let transaction management complete it from there. So, so it's it's a much faster route that way. Yeah. So fast forwarding 18 or 24 months from now, the buyer what experience. <laughs> when you're retired and this Sit is just worldwide adoption. Yeah. Um, the, the buyer experience at least, you know, boots on the ground is going to be the same. You go, you view these properties, right? You see them pop up online. Uh, You'll have the option almost immediately to express interest in a property, but of course you still go and view it and all these things. If you've decided that you are interested to the degree that you may make an offer, you will effectively be invited to this portal uh, where you can upload your bid and see how it tracks relative uh, to other bids um, with a you know, to be determined amount of information based on the seller settings. And then you can revise your offer accordingly through a window of time that presumably the seller decides uh, and thus have a bit more predictability. But you still have engaged your agent and still have the option to do due diligence. Um, It's more so the actual experience flow is the same just when you get to the point of interest in a property. It's like you said, more transparent, more efficient, all that. Is that correct? More or less? 
Okay. This is being recorded, so I get to I get to take that, and I'll get you to sign something, <laughs> yeah. and so I can use that in in our advertising. Because you're right. Also, something we haven't touched on, and I think it's really important. Um, I told you that we kind of go by three different three words specifically: transparency, equality, and efficiency. We talked a lot about transparency and efficiency, but think about the equality piece. We are certainly in the United States. Uh, because that's where my history is, and I'm assuming in Canada, we've we've done we've done poorly, uh, or I don't know how to say this correctly, but our history when it comes to equality in the transaction process is not the best. Mm-hmm. By putting it into software, software doesn't see race, creed, color, sexual preference. It sees terms and conditions and dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what the decision is based on. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying we could take bias out of out of the, uh, the process completely, but we're certainly helping that situation. And it's a very important um, piece, certainly here in the United States, uh, to the software, to the process, to creating this um, electronic or automated offer and acceptance platform. Um, and we're pretty proud of the fact that it does that. Let me yeah. kind of counter that with the, with the question to you. Um, someone made a, a weird comment, and I was wondering if this was what they were getting at. This does seem like a platform that maybe is um, more targeted towards younger people. And is there some concern that maybe older folks, both on the selling side and the buying side, may actually find this a bit intimidating? Or perhaps in some areas you've got people who have, uh, because of their cultural background, maybe even they're new to con- new to the country, they have a different level of um, online savviness or even access to okay. high-speed internet and things like that. Is there any concern around that or, or is that kind of up to the, you know, this is where the realtors have to intervene and, and kind of advocate on behalf yeah. of the people? I was sitting here ready to answer your question and then you said it again. (laughs) You're killing me, man. I I didn't even have to be on this podcast. (laughs) Every question is just rhetorical. It's it's, it's wonderful. But no, that's that's why you have a professional on your side. Um, And that professional will be certified by Open to be able to uh, uh, take place in the process. So um, it's really, it's a cooperative effort between the professional and the consumer that that consumer chooses freely who their professional is, and that professional is um, uh, assigned the responsibility of making sure they're protected. So that person is the one that uh, we're concerned about. And really, the system is is uh, pretty intuitive, pretty uh, simple to use. Um, so we want to be we want everybody to 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 embrace using it. And again, Neil said, you know, uh, back when we were talking about millennials or younger buyers. You really do kind of want something that's just on your phone and I'll make my decision. I'll push my button and I'll, uh, you know, I'll take care of this. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I think it. I think this helps the agents a lot. I mean, obviously the consumers because they're going to be able to see it. And also, like you said, it'll help build a relationship between them because it'll allow them to know that they're being truthful because there's a lot of mistrust, I think, in a oh, lot 100%. of yeah. people that don't feel comfortable with their agent. And, and between it, colleagues. And between colleagues, yeah. exactly. Like Sometimes it feels like people are, are fibbing to you. And then additionally, I think for the agents, it can be helpful because I know when you might have three or four offers out there on different properties for different clients, it's hard to be calling all the other agents, mm-hmm. trying to get the information, then relaying it back because yeah. everyone's missing calls, everyone's missing texts. Uh, so this can kind of give some aid on that as well, which I, I think could be yeah. really beneficial to the industry as a whole. And sellers have, in, in the feedback, sellers have seemed kind of mixed on it because, again, some people are like, that's my private information and blah, 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 blah. And I guess they'll still have an option to kind of close the curtain at, at their discretion on on some of the bidding transparency. Um, but I think of also these instances where I've had seven offers on a property and I'm having to create this rubrics spreadsheet for the sellers to be like, all right, these are the prices, these are the closing dates, these, and if this was all kind of summarized somewhere and even had like nice little icons like money sign, that money sign, right? Or like for like all cash, not all cash, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a hammer with like a line through it, no <laughs> inspection or something to that effect. It would actually make the, um, the seller process um, better too. I mean, there was an instance we talked about earlier this year where like an 85 year old person got 60 offers on their yeah, house. And I thought, oh my God, that must've been a horrible experience for her. Yeah. Um, can you imagine if, you know, it was a bit more transparent and, and she could see and, you know, it would be a little bit, a little bit easier. So. 
Again, you guys are right on right on point. The system allows you to go, you know, buyer number one, cl click on their name, and here's their terms and conditions, and and here's the things that are important to them. So uh, it's all built into the system. Yeah. yeah and then, cool. I mean, think about this: that data that we're providing to them, it not only allows for someone to trust the system a little bit more, but what happens if litigation takes place? What happens if there's a question or uh, one of the consumers, one of the buyers says, you know, I was treated unfairly. We can provide reports on the on the entire process that we hand to a broker who hands it to a litigator who says, here's the process. Here's what happened. Mr. and Mrs. Judge, nothing was wrong in this process. Or maybe there was mm -hmm. and the data shows it. Well, so this is going to make sure that agents better have their paperwork straight and in order. Yeah, but but again, it almost like by, by streamlining the process, you kind of close the potential um, the, the potential loose point points where things could slip through the cracks, right? Because things are tighter. that that actually lends a quick question. Um, some people have said, well, what protections are there against fake offers, if you will? Um, people, you know, entering the platform and bidding a property up uh, disingenuously. It's funny how people's minds work, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, people always go, worst case all, scenario. It's all fear-based comments. I'm going to go right to the, yeah. right, yeah. go right to the scary parts. Um, it, it doesn't change the, the process in which you do it. It just automates it, um, which makes it a lot simpler. But, for example, a, selling, uh, a seller and their agent can ask for um, identification mm -hmm. to be part of the process. So you upload a picture of your passport or upload a picture of your driver's license in order to show who you are. Um, and the process itself is a cooperative process between buying agent and selling agent. So mm -hmm. the buyer's agent has done their due diligence on their own buyer, and there's contracts and paperwork that shows that this is a legitimate person with legitimate reason to be in the system. Uh, maybe the maybe the agent representing the seller asks for a uh, pre-qualification letter from a lender. Yeah, um, it actually could strengthen. Yeah, it could strengthen uh, the role of the buyer's agent because you know if there's this mysterious person that floats into the room, it's like, yeah, I've got no agent. You know that that's going to be looked at potentially lesser than uh, from a seller's perspective. And if you're the buyer's agent going there with some, you know, disingenuous buyer just there to run the price up, that's going to reflect really poorly on that agent, and they're not going to want to stake their reputation on that. That and if somebody bids up a high number and they're it's a fake bid and then they win. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, with no conditions. Well, yeah, it's like yeah, no yeah, conditions. Yeah, yeah. Like I just won. You're like, oh crap, this fake bid. Now I literally have to buy this house. Like, wait, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? It'd be great if you could tie into the platform um, an option to immediately send the deposit to. That would be super cool. Yeah. Well, you know, you, I you never probably. know what could, what could pop up. You know, there are companies out there, payments, for example, um, that does that that exact thing. So yeah. we're. Oh, you we can are sit keenly the, aware. Yeah. You can sit the deposit in a trust account as part of your offer and say the deposit's already here. Like, you know how back in the day acceptance. people used to send the deposit with yeah. their offer? And the people are like, no, you don't have to do that. It's due, you know, four business days later. It'd be great if you could upload it into a trust account and say, like, our deposit is right here, that upon acceptance, it gets transferred over to you. Non-refundable. Well, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Now, if that feature shows up in 12 months, I, I don't want to be paying any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it might it might already be thought of. It might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Question for you: In Australia, what do you find? Like we said, so they have the option to show price and conditions and this and that. On average, what are you seeing now? It's been enough years where it's been in place. Are you finding that sellers are opting to show the pricing, the number of bids, and all the conditions publicly to everyone that's involved in the bidding process, or has there kind of gotten to a streamlined system where they only show two or three things based on the experience of the last few years? Is that what's kind of the go-to now? It, the go-to is full transparency now. Um, okay. It's not there everywhere. Obviously, there are, I think, six states in Australia, maybe as many as eight. I can't remember exactly. And then New Zealand is also one of our uh, territories. So you see different things in, in different areas. But uh, the move is towards full transparency. You can see it clearly in the data that people are moving towards it. They've even yeah. um, uh, altered legislation in some areas in order to provide more transparency. So it's 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 as if open and their competitors, there's competitors in Australia, it's as if they have started to um, prove out the model to the regulators or the government entities that need to know and, and some adjustments can be made. I mean, we we started in Western Australia, Perth. That's where uh, the company began. And currently, 
it's about 30% of the market uses our product, which is an incredible number. And how many um, might use a competitor product? Like how many are using the idea of this, but be at a different model? Like, is it, we don't know exactly okay. because obviously we don't have access to the competitors, but in some of our informal, um, surveys, 50% of the market is using a product mm -hmm. similar to this product, gotcha. um, either ours or a competitor. So, you, and again, in Australia, they do some auction stuff in some of the States yeah. be, and they're using automated processes as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that also doesn't, not only does it prove kind of the legitimacy or the kind of board requirements, the paperwork legalities, whatever, but it also must prove the demand for it because I think it seems pretty obvious that the buyers want it. The, the hesitancy okay. maybe is on the selling side, but if selling sellers are voluntarily opting into this, they must be feeling that they're getting something out of it as well. Right. By implication, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. you've got it exactly right. The, the buyers are the ones that drove the process and the sellers came along slower, mm -hmm. slowly, uh, but they have come around. Uh, and I think that we talk about the deceptive practice of blind bidding and how sellers may think that they like that, but that's because the narrative is such from the industry that it's good for them. But statistically, mm -hmm. those are outliers. When somebody goes crazy and bids 200000 over because they panicked or something because they, we're in a blind bidding situation, that's an outlier. There are hundreds of thousands, if not millions, here in the United States transactions every year. The, the great majority of them follow an organic path. And in that organic path, you can see the, the, proce uh, the products like ours just streamline it and make mm -hmm. it better. We're not, you, there's still there's still a thought process. And like, but you know what? 20 years ago, they were still thinking the, the book was going to, the listing book that was delivered every week to the office was going to be the way that the, it, you know, it took place for years and decades to come and that the internet mm -hmm. was stupid. So we can look at a lot of things in the industry as if they're, um, they're, they're good for the industry or good for the buyer, good for the seller. But what really happens is uh, social proof is what works things out. And right now consumers absolutely gravitate towards this, uh, this transparent approach and the software approach. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a, um, I'm trying to think of other questions that we didn't quite cover. There, there's a question that I think a lot of people have asked online was, does this on average, is there any data to show whether it results in a higher strike price or a lower strike price? I don't know that you necessarily can effectively prove either way, but do you guys have anything on that or what, what are you finding like kind of on that side? It's our general opinion based on the data that mm -hmm. it, it doesn't lend to, um, higher or lower pricing at the end of the process. There, it's you know there are ten uh, percent uh, on each end. Let's say so eighty percent. It's it just takes place the same way it always would. The price lands pretty damn close to what it would land on organically. Yeah. And then you've got those outliers where somebody just really messed up mm -hmm. uh, and didn't didn't uh, value the property quite correctly, and so it's going to end up a hundred thousand lower, a hundred thousand higher. But over over time. Right. With the great majority of the transactions, it's going to land on a price that's very similar to where it would land under the old manual process. But it's going to get there with social proof. It's going to get there because 20 people told you. It should yeah. Get and, and, and with improved consumer confidence, because everyone seems to at least this is the Canadian data. The vast majority of people trust their own real estate agent, um, but have a strong distrust of everyone else's real estate agent. <laughs> Right. This is the, the numbers bear that out. Right. Even their own agent. Um, so it's like, you know, if Neil and I were doing a transaction, uh, you know, my client may love me, but he at some point me. they maybe dislike Neil. And <laughs> the fact that now there'll be full transparency, it's hard for someone to make a case that they were done done wrong by. Yep. You know, I think it's funny. So I feel like we always felt that this market lent itself to softwares and programs like this because we had the competitive bidding and the multiple bids and all that kind of thing. But honestly, a slower market will cause seller adoption at a much higher rate because I think when things are bidding and they're bidding lower than the purchase price, this will give sellers a lot of protection because now it's like when the market wasn't crazy and people saw a house sell 50 grand under, they're like, I would have bought that. For yeah. If I had known they'd go 50 yeah. grand under, now there's an opportunity to see that. Yeah. It, they'll help push the price back up to keep the seller from losing their shirt potentially or point. not getting a great bid. Right now, again, it's yeah. it's all buyers because it's a buyer's or it's a seller's market, so it really impacts the buyers and they want it. But when this flips and it becomes a buyer's market, 
then the sellers are really mm-hmm. going to be interested in, in subscribing to this because it's going to help give them that that bit of protection and potentially save them, actually make them some more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You're 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 uh, you're, you're making my uh, point again, guys, and you're you're creating my commercial for the future. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you're you're right on, Neil. I mean, this this product was born in a down market in Australia, and it was born in that market because of what you just iterated. So you guys, mm-hmm. you guys are right on here. Uh, um, let's let's talk about appraisals for a second because you know we like to refinance our properties and continue <laughs> to invest. Um, and one of the things that you know, I've told my investor clients, it's like, Hey, when you get a nice juicy comparable in your neighborhood, that's the time to refinance, right? If you get one of these outliers, and this was again, one of my beasts with the industries that we used market value was actually just a, an average of outliers, right? Um, the hope now is through this data tracking that you're going to have, there'll be a sale price, but there'll also be a bit more information on what the, um, rest of the people felt it was worth. Does that put some downward pressure on appraisal values? Um, I don't know because I'm not an appraiser. Right. Um, but it, it, it should indicate to that particular part of the industry um, what uh, real-time value is of that property. So they should be able to make better decisions on the lending side mm-hmm. uh, with our data. That's, a, that's definitely part of the conversation from the banks and the lenders in Australia is using the data to make those determinations. Right. Yeah. Do you think there would ever be an opportunity? So let's say I, we live side by side. We don't, but if we did, and we had very similar homes, um, he lists his house, he gets 10 offers and I'm involved or I can see the fact that he got 10 offers and I can see it was like 550, 540, 530. I'm like, okay, he'll take the 550. I would gladly also sell my house right now for 540. Would there be ever like an opportunity Mm. to be able through the platform to like reach out or like, submit a like a request to, to touch base with them and be like hey like i know you guys are interested in the neighborhood you like the street you like the house i have the almost same product next door and i saw you bid x interested in doing so on my home do you think that's something that they would do or is that maybe too complicated and realistically it'd be just real list your home and go through the whole process again it's in there right now so the observers would come in and see that and and be able to send a message to the uh, uh agent that's representing the uh, seller. So it's a lead, uh, it's a lead generation opportunity. They use it right now in Australia either. I mean, this, the way you described it is really kind of the the golden goose. They come to you, but what, what they're doing now for the most part is those observers are sent um, some type of a, an email if they're given their email or some type of a, um, uh, a postcard, if they've given their address and they're told, you know, uh, I'm, I'm listing agent ABC. This was my process. I noticed you observed it. Is there any mm-hmm. questions I can answer for you? And so the connections made typically by the agent to the consumer. So yeah, but yeah. if the consumer wanted to, they could hit a button and say, send a message to the listing agent. Yeah. And that's kind of a different one where you're talking like a seller could be, you know, in there yeah. watching this and seeing how this all plays out. I've got two instances of that right now where I've got very standardized product either a door, like one literally next door to a place that sold. And we know that one had like 13 offers, the other had 18 offers. So now I'm listing properties adjacent, very similar. And I'm having to contact the listing agents and hope that they'll share with me the list of people who offered on that. And sometimes you call them like, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Right. Like, Mm. and I also have to deal with those sellers and say, just so you know, those two properties that sold for a lot of money could have been outliers. And we have to tip our hats to our neighbor and say, you know, they got a, a number that was, Congrats. you know, unprecedented and congratulations to them. We can't rely on that same result because if they took that outlier out of the market, we don't know what bids two through 18 were. Uh, and one, there won't be that situation, but two, it'll be more streamlined. Like we see like, okay, we can potentially target these other buyers because we have a very similar product coming up. Yeah. And realistically yeah. there would not be the outlier anymore. There wouldn't be the outlier anymore. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. I- I'm out of I'm out of questions on my list here. Yeah, as I say, I feel like I, I'm I'm out of questions. You've done a great job answering all of them, Eric. I really appreciate you. Well, we really appreciate you reaching out in such a timely fashion. Um, but yeah, did you have any questions or anything you wanted to put in or, or make any comments back to us? Um, I was really happy to see the the first podcast. Um, uh, the reaction to the uh, partnership or the the announcement has been largely positive. Obviously, there's always some questions and concerns on people's part. We really want to be able to just answer them. So being able to come on this, on the show, on the, the, giving us the forum to do so has been great. We appreciate it. 
Um, reach out to us anytime as the as the process continues, and we'll, we're happy to keep uh, the viewers updated with that process. Um, but really, we want to be able to put people's minds at ease that what they're getting is an automated process uh, or an automated version of the current process that's going to be more transparent and uh, educational to the consumer. I, I think we've probably laid a lot of these concerns because we now know that sellers will have still control over how their property is marketed and presented and what's disclosed and what's not. And buyers agents can feel comfortable that they're going to still have a role within the process. And I know those are the biggest pushbacks that we were getting. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So. so now on open, when you click make an offer, it's going to directly link to Chandler and I's page That's right. at this point. Sponsored, sponsored <laughs> connections. <laughs> Yeah, we want to be we want to be the first portal yeah. that people get sent through exactly. when they have no agent. For advice, check out at MasterKeys. <laughs> yeah, the, the agent piece will be up to Korea and Realtor.ca, but yeah. in theory, you come in and you'll indicate who your agent is by that drop down. Um, you know, I'm associated with Neil, so please connect us and keep Neil uh, abreast of everything that I'm doing. Uh, if in fact they say I'm not represented. Then we turn around and send them a different drop down of the agent of the agents in that province that are um, open certified. Oh. So here's your choice. Okay. Here's your choice of which will be everyone. 20, 30 I think. Agents, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is an op- a real opportunity for the agents that go through the process and get certified um, to be in front of the consumers that are looking for representation. So yeah. it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for those who uh, become open certified and participate in the process. I mean, I think everyone will be open. I, yeah. I think it'll be on mass here, right? Because we anything you can do we'll to get your leg up, you do God's it. Ears. Yeah, yeah. It'll be all in or, or or not. Like everything in our particular market now, almost without exception, everyone's using the exact same signing app now almost right uh, because that's the one that linked with our existing transaction platform, which in turn was loading our board um, uh, forms. Right. So everything's under one umbrella right now. And the opportunity for open to slide in there and be part of that umbrella is, is pretty obvious and it'll be pretty seamless. I so. think it'll be seamless. Yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. take on. Exciting. Awesome. Thanks That's so cool. much, Eric, man. This is very cool. Very excited. And, and answered feel, a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really uh, privileged to, to kind of get the, the scoop here on, on how it's actually going to roll out. Uh, we're, we're supporters of it. We did have our questions and our, our hesitations, Concerns. um, but now we're excited about it. So definitely if you're in Halifax, Great. Yeah, yeah, and you're in Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia, then you Nova come Scotia. <laughs> yeah, look us up man. look us up. We'd yeah. be happy to, to show it. you around. I can't wait. All right. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Take Eric. care. Cheers. Thanks guys. See ya. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.